You could have heard this episode 48 hours early on our Patreon, patreon.com slash IndieHeadsPodcast. By joining us for as low as $1 a month, you'll receive episodes early and gain access to our Discord server. All of our upcoming episodes will be up on our Patreon 48 hours before it hits our public podcast feeds. But if you're hearing this via our Patreon feed, we thank you so much for your support. We especially want to thank our Real Ones patrons, including Boo Cannon, Rob Marino, Grant McSpooky, Barely March, Jenna LaFleur, Dave Grohl, Darian Fisher, RxLRLD, Al Gritchmanoff, Melissa Reddig, Lily Mikowski, Tony DeSorofino, Chris Wade, Selectric, David Colbert, Maze Farms, Bex, Georgia Mikowski, Noah Kurtz, Waffle13, Alex Bielovich, Alec Felder, Adam Edwards, Jackson Christ, Elizabeth, John O'Rourke, and Derek Pemberton. Be- to become a real one, consider supporting us with a $5 a month donation every month and get a shout out at the top of the pod. But anyways though, enjoy the episode. Bros, I will let you. Uh, I'll, I'll let you begin this podcast with uh, this great uh, review that you wrote about a, an amazing song that dropped this week. I had never seen a shooting star before. Twenty-two years of rotations passes through comets' paths and travel, and to my memory, I had never witnessed burning debris scratch over the night sky. Barely March was hunched over his instruments. Barry slowly beat on his guitar, singing "Eyes Closed" into his microphone like he was trying to kiss around a big nose. Clacky good songs tapped patiently on a double bass waiting for his cue. White pearls of laptop lights swam over his face. A lazy LED bulb spilled artificial constellations inside the wooden cove of the makeshift studio. The skeleton of the roommate went into the Long Island on the steps of the Big Apple. Various supporting actors from The Sopranos, Bones, and Cobblestone laid beneath. I stared entranced, soaking in barely March's new material, chiseling each sound into the best-functioning part of my brain, which would be the only sound system for the material for months. The notification pings along the channels of the tight Patreon Discord bled upwards into my own display, which seemed as strikingly artificial and perfect as a wizard's cap. The staccato guitar chords ascended repeatedly. Whoa! Haunted SUV, Barry sang like his dying words. Whoa! Don't run over me. The train critical part of me marked the similarity to Coltrane's Ole. The human part of me wept in awe. The Italians surrounding me held their breath in communion, save for the drunken few shunting. Suddenly a rise of whistles and orgasmic cries swept unfittingly through the crowd. The song, Skeleton Utility Vehicle, was certainly momentous, but wasn't the response more apt for, well, lead single, single version? I looked up. I thought it was fireworks. A teardrop of fire shot from space and disappeared behind a church where the syrupy Hudson River crawled. Barely March had the heavens on his side. Wait, Barely March? I thought that, yeah, I I thought thought that was that a that Misfits was a, song. Yeah, that was Misfits. That was dancing. Oh, oh, well, it's Barely March performing the Misfits, you know. It's a, mm. it's a cover. Okay, okay, I see. Uh, Nobody well, questioned it when I said it before. Barely March's skeleton SUV has revolutionized Whoa! skeletons in space. <laughs> an SUV! Whoa! I'm sorry, scared. Sorry. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the Indie Heads Podcast. I'm your host, Maddie at Murphy and Prince on Twitter. On this episode of the podcast, I am, of course, joined by Rose. Uh, hey, howdy. I don't like the gaze of the man behind the wheel. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're joined by Jackie. Hello. Uh, don't run over me. <laughs> and we're joined by uh, AJ. 
Uh, the, this this black cherry bubbly got me feeling like the white Elon Musk. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Well, folks, uh, we are here today. Of course, uh, we we just dropped our Q two favorites list on our Substack, our Substack softsounds.substack.com, and we're going to talk about a couple of the albums we you know we discussed in there a bit more in depth and some other stuff that didn't quite make it on, and you know a little little, little Q two catch up. We're going to burn before... through the witches and dig through the ditches, you know. Exactly. Right before, of course, as uh, as we've teased throughout the, the past couple podcasts, of course, we have the 90s Rock number 1 series premiering on Sunday. And uh, this this is this is the last normal episode until then. Uh, I cannot guarantee if we'll have normal, like, just regular podcasts. The answer episodes. is no, Maddie. Maddie, we've, answer, we've the been answer, through this the twice answer, before. Maddie, you, know, you know what happened when we tried to record other stuff. The answer is probably no, but again, I cannot make just here's the thing. Just be prepared for about like 12 weeks of 90s rock number ones. That's what I'll say. We have 10 episodes planned and uh, two should have been episodes also planned. So 12 episodes all together, three months. Uh, let's go back to the 90s, everybody. But before we go back into the 90s, of course, we, we had our last episode where Mr. Barely March uh, gave us a wonderful butt rock playlist. But we're not talking butt rock here. We're talking uh, normal cool people music, allegedly, according to blogs. But, of course, we know what the real cool music is. This is, this is shit for nerds and babies. But for the time being, we are nerds and babies. This is a, so. this is a good group of nerds and babies right here is what I think. And we're going to talk about some, some great music. I think this was, a, I mean, like I've been saying all year, I think this has been a good year for music. But I think especially Q2 lived up to the hype that we kind of built up uh during the q1 podcast there were a a lot of good releases this quarter and we're going to talk about a lot of albums that i like today there's not any album on this list that i am like actively anti yeah like i said i I guess q1 i mean q1 notably i didn't even have i didn't even like besides like one wild card i did not put anything at all in the q1 piece and i barely had anything to say but this quarter again i came back in a major way one because i restarted my radio show like i was allowed to go back in the air so i was forced to reconsume new music again and get back to that swing uh but number two hey a bunch of good you know as jackie said a bunch of artists i was waiting for projects from finally dropped so that's that we have about uh i'd say a little a little under a dozen albums we're talking about like 10 or, or 10 like probably less than 10 like uh regular ones we kind of want to discuss a little bit and then probably we'll throw out some little shout outs towards the end yeah. but to start off uh our q2 catch up uh it's the armed ultra pop new album from the uh mysterious detroit hardcore collective where everyone and no one is a member of the armed and uh and they're all incredibly checked <laughs> And anyone who's in the band is incredibly jacked. Uh, but Rose, you have been you've been fighting super hardcore for this album. You've been you've been in the trenches. You've been shouting it out whenever you can. So I will let you. I'll open the floor to you. It on is. The arms the it, it is my favorite album of the year so far. I've been like stuck with that for a while. I was just like before this year. I was like, man, sure there's gonna be better stuff. You know, like Jay Brecky, and it's just like nope, nope, all all hardcore. <laughs> This is just a magnificent record that I really love. It's just like, like imagine just a bunch of people just pounding out of guitars and making like nonstop hook fest for like half an hour. It's basically that. It, it, it is like hard to describe because it is so unique on its own. 
I, I don't know. I want to hear other voices because I've been like yelling about this thing for months. I think it's very good. I like it as as a fan of the armed and the fan of their music. It is not um, sticking with me in the way that Only Love did, but Only Love was also an album that like grew on me over time because like when I first heard it, I wasn't as into hard like super hardcore stuff as much as I am now, and so like over time, like that album grew on me, but. I will say that I definitively think Only Love is a much better album than this album. Not by like a ton, but I it, Only Love is clearly their their best work for me and this is while I think really really solid, just a little bit more forgettable. I don't know. Like there are a couple moments that have really stuck with me that I that but they are all the moments that I like most like all futures and and iterate and, and and iteration like songs like that do feel kind of like retreads of some of the stuff that I liked on Only Love, but then there's not the other stuff. I don't know. I, I like this album a lot. It's definitely not like in my top ten of the year, but it's it's on the like it's the thing about the armed is that even when they are not like at the peak of their powers, IMO, they're still a lot more creative and fun and interesting than a lot of hardcore bands out there and i reject the the dumb hardcore people who are like oh this is this is a pitchfork hardcore it's not real hardcore whatever (laughs) like dumb whiny babies were saying about this album i think this album is good and i like it and i think it shreds i just don't find myself returning to it like i do some of the other albums we're going to talk about today we're, we're just repeating the same discourse that we did a decade ago with Death Heaven. But for I was going to say, it's a real, every every era has the sunbather it deserves. Um, <laughs> I, I would agree that I think like Only Love is the record I'll return to more probably. I definitely dig what they're doing on Ultra Pop, and it's got a lot of very interesting uh, ideas and patterns. I think that All Futures is certainly one of the best songs of the year. Agreed. It came out this year, right? It did. Um, and yeah, very smart lead single for this record because it has the most momentum and the most drive to it. It's definitely like the most uh, rhythmic and recognizably a song. There's like much more intense songs, I feel like, that have a little bit more drive on there. Like specifically, I was thinking of uh, Masunaga Vapors. Yeah, I guess what I meant was like uh, in terms of appealing... Just like lead single potential, I guess. Yeah. Like outside of you know the hardcore freaks who are gonna go nuts for this no matter what it is, um, all futures is the one that gives a hint of a new direction or sort of like a po- when I first heard all futures I was like oh shit this is a sort of poppier yet still very esoteric and off putting sound for the arm so I'm interested to see that direction and then the rest of this album kind of keeps driving through you know what it is that they do turns out what it is that they do is very good um, but. I was sort of teased with the potential of a really aggressive new direction. To be fair, I think they did kind of do that in a way, but it's like not like, like it's more iterating on the uh, like original yeah. sound that they had and then just working out from there. Like I think probably the most bold step new forward for them is uh, bad selection towards the back end. Like that is one of my favorites on there because it's just so odd to throw it in at the back end like that. Yeah. Bad selection is cool. I really like, uh, I actually like the the second two singles more, but that's just because they both scratch like the very particular itch that I like. I really like the whole scope of Only Love, and I've learned to like all the different kind of modes that they operate in. But like the initial armed tracks that really draw me drew me to them originally were like Fortune's Daughter 
and luxury themes. And on this album, I think the version of that is uh was it called um uh um, average death uh, average death that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah the songs that sound like what if you took an interpol song and threw it into a hardcore hurricane like it's Mm. it's it's like got that kind of melodic post-punk uh feel to it but it's just completely being subsumed by all the really really loud guitars and i think that's like a very cool juxtaposition and i think in general like yeah this album does it's not just like oh they trotted out only love again like it's doing different stuff and and i think oh for sure it's very yeah like uh, like it's very cool. The main thing I feel about it is just like it's functions less as like a weird kind of like all over the place thing like only love does because I still do really enjoy that. But this is more of like just a straight to the numbers hook fest. Like you can just kind of mm-hmm. count the tracks as they go. They function in their very basic forms as like songs rather than like weird kind of sketches that they're throwing out that just show you like, hey, here's all the ideas we have. Yeah, it's there's a very no, well like, named album. Fun. On that's ultra pop. yeah like very very much to the brand of what they set out to do yeah you know there's no like insane stunner moments like uh on jupiter which is still one of those songs i'm just like how does anyone make a song like that on jupiter goaded it's just yeah. uh the, it's the first guitar sound that sounds more like like a helicopter than it does a riff it's so, <laughs> it's so cool nasty. I'm not going to dislike an album that has a song named after Metal Gear Solid 2 and a song named after Cowboy Bebop on it. And that's just a fact, <laughs> Jack. <laughs> true, true. They, 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 they do seem to be tapped into a very specific type of culture there. Yeah. Is the Armed Emo, the longest uh, forum post in the history of r slash indie heads, has been locked. <laughs> oh, boy. But um, uh, there was one more thing I was going to say, but I'll let Maggie speak. Um, I mean, like, here's the thing. Uh, I, I have two thoughts. One, uh, I when we talk about hardcore music, I constantly think about Jackie's uh, <laughs> hardcore kids be like tweet to, to Cam. Oh, God. It's, it, it's really, it's really the tweet that I, I, I should have on my tombstone. Like, it's the one that I'm most proud of. Uh, in, case, in case any listeners at home aren't familiar, just in case you're not, like, keeping up on the intricacies of my Twitter account. But basically, the tweet goes, um, the internet... Uh, hardcore kids be like me well i guess that is how they be like like sweet <laughs> because it, 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 it's very much that, that was me on the internet like getting into hardcore around that time and being like people talk about like oh hardcore kids be like this hardcore and i'm just like well I, i'm sure you're right i believe you like that that was the whole <laughs> iteration that tweet. but i i as i've tweeted since then like since then, I have read books about hardcore, and now I am a wise and learned professional. No, but uh, I, I've gotten way more into the genre over the last couple of years, and I think The Armed are one of the bands that has helped me get into the genre because it is in, incorporating hardcore into like other genres in ways that are like very exciting to me. And I think that dumb purists are always going to get mad about that kind of stuff, like the way mm. that like people gatekeep whatever emo bands that want to do like like indie rock stuff like foxing and all sorts of like there are all kinds of examples that we can point to of this where like people that specifically advocate for one music genre community are always going to be mad at stuff that seems like it's trying to appeal to lots of different kinds of people including critics specifically like that's that's what they get tagged with is like oh you're just doing this to like appeal to critics so that they can say it's a multi-genre whatever but i think Mm -hmm. that the armed are a great example of how that kind of fusion can be genuinely like 
really productive. I, I feel like a lot of people realized that they liked hardcore uh, when that Daughters album was blowing up and then had the opportunity to like go back and listen to, you know, foundational hardcore and really sort of see the Facts. through line and the he's spitting um, and the armed are sort of one of the first groups. And this record is like something that's new, you know, on the forefront of hardcore yeah. and like a modern sort of uh, crossover uh, or, or like breakout success of the genre um, that isn't shitty let's and, say yeah <laughs> and they also got leverage with i think this time around there were a lot of people that were tired of people like me who were obsessed with the noisy profile of them and they're like i'm tired of yeah. the gimmick but i think to give them credit it's not like they really really le- they, they also didn't lean into it this press cycle that's the thing is that like they could have been like trickster jokesters to the max on this press cycle and they kind of didn't they kind of just like we all got buff and we made an album here it is like that you know was I mean? that was I their mean, whole the press entire cycle gimmick of this cycle was just hey we're a real band that was basically and like yeah. i think that was kind of smart on their part because they still have that kind of there's still a little bit of mystery to them in that like we don't know really who is on it feels like the lineup is constantly shifting and that there's lots of well there's, they said there's 27 people in there like a rotation it's of that the band. it's the indie heads podcast strategy it's it's like it's like <laughs> what if the indie heads podcast was a band like sometimes this guy is there sometimes they're not like it's it's just uh sometimes one of the guys disappears for like a full year but then he <laughs> then he comes back if, if like, every member of the indie heads podcast was kumail nanjiani that's the armed that's the exact <laughs> diagram there Oh my god! Uh, oh boy. Um, well, my second thought is that um, I don't. Here's the thing with this record. I get it, but also it's it's one of like I get it, but also like I don't get it. Hardcore for the most part. Like I just it's my look. My ears are are precious jewels, and I must protect them sometimes. Uh, but there's songs here that I like. Again, all features is incredible, and narration's really good. I think the the stuff on here that fully like. The stuff here that like actually is like fully like ultra pop, like that stuff really appeals to me, and I do hope they kind of expand on that on future records. Uh, like the stuff that here is good is good, but there's some stuff where it's like okay, like it's it's too much, like it's so it's really really compressed, and I know that's the point, but sometimes it is just like okay, like look I, here here's like is it bold of me to say that after doing a nine episode series on Death Grips? Yes absolutely am i gonna <laughs> which, say it anyways which mixing yeah. do you prefer the mixing on ultra pop or the mixing on your the snake oh oh god ultra pop jesus christ i'd rather have loud than uh mud i'd rather i'd rather <laughs> it be loud than mud uh but again i rose you're opening up old wounds ptsd i don't want to hey, listen I, I was on the episode too. again well exactly that's more more reason not to open up those old wounds okay you were there okay but uh no this album is like again I, I'm gonna give it some more listens because I did actually listen up, or I did uh, listen to it uh, while preparing for the episode today, and I liked it a little more on this listen. So I may have to, you know, go back to it and you know give it some more listens because I think it's it's unlocking itself to me. But again, it's just it's a hard barrier to entry when like I don't really listen to much hardcore, and uh, it's loud. Here's the thing: one of my favorite metal albums, and I don't listen to much metal, is like uh, is Liturgy's uh, The Arcwork. Because the vocals are clean, uh, all the horns sound like stuff off the Redeemer from Dean Blunt, and uh, it's a bunch of like MIDI electronic synth bullshit, and it's kind of sad that that record did not really go over super well with critics and fans, 
because I think that record's incredible. That was great. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I I like her more recent stuff better just because... Which like, I understand, that is, yeah. That is which more blending it all together in a cohesive way, I think. I, which I get it. But, you know, hey, this record, it's good. It's it's good. I, I, I want to give it some more listens and explore it a little more. But, but yeah, uh, like, in, in 2018, the thing that finally got me started getting interested in hardcore, the things that got me in were gloss and only love. And now look at me. <laughs> I, I, i'm a i'm a trans scrams kid look what they did to me oh boy well uh are we ready to move on to to our next record then i sure am oh boy all right <laughs> so we uh, so we are gonna do uh, uh we're gonna do grimma mindset volume two like that is going some to happen point. it will be some point eventually so we'll we're gonna probably so we'll try I, not we, to go we, too we'll, long on these next two albums yeah yeah because mm. we'll probably get a bit more into it a little bit uh when we do those gremlin mindset volume two episodes which i think we'll probably again don't don't hold me to it but probably once we finish this big death grips project that's probably next up in the order but uh it's been a year for gremlins let's it's put been it out a while. there like i said this this has been a big i mean like i said a lot of a lot of uh anticipated gremlin you know drops and this is uh one of the big Especially ones of course that two, being, yeah uh squid bright green field their debut record their their full length debut for for warp records uh jackie you wrote about this one i will let you take it away okay sure yeah all right this is the debut record of the band squid who are signed to warp records but they work with uh dan carey of speedy wonderground records fame uh architect of the gremlin mindset when some might say and this album is their full-length debut after a couple of years of releasing singles i think the first single came out the first ep came out in like 2018 somewhere around there i got into them around 2019 when they put out uh house plants and the dial which are their first two kind of singles that connected and are both really 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 great songs and immediately i was drawn to them and they're a big part of why maddie and i started getting so obsessed with the gremlin mindset stuff is because like while black midi was taking over the world i had my eye on this other band that i was like these are my boys. These are my sons because I, I will admit right now the take that I've already been yelled at before, but I think the squid album is better than both of the black midi albums. And I understand that I will be getting some heat for that. And I understand that the second part of this segment is just going to be a bunch of people telling me that this is mid and this is, this is not, this is not it chief and whatever. And the thing is, is just that squid are like the gremlin band of this current crop that most appeals to like what i want out of post-punk as a genre which is that the grooves and 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 the songs here are really really tight and they're really fun and like i think this album is very propulsive and very re-listenable but it's also very uh i think i think it's more experimental than some people are giving it credit for especially in like the middle section but uh i really really just think that this album manages to like bridge the gap between the kind of more experimental side of the modern post-punk music with like stuff that is very danceable and very like groove oriented and i just think that this band is so so fun to watch to to watch jam and watch like work as this kind of uh, organism i'm so excited to see this album live i think it's i i've been wanting to see squid live forever because they've just got so many songs that make me want to uh dance and stomp around but i mean like this album especially i think is really like 
the exact culmination of everything I was hoping from all of those singles because they they had a lot of different kind of speeds and things that they were doing in their in their singles and they were putting out these short EPs where they were try where you could see on an EP they weren't just uh, coming up with four singles they were trying to come up with like an arc to the EP and they'd have interludes and stuff like that and so you could always tell that like when they were going to do a full length album that it was going to be something like this it's very like conceptual and very uh kind of planned out and i think the only thing that i've soured a tiny 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 bit on this album is i kind of don't think the boy racers thing works with the ambient interlude which i hate to admit because on my first time around i was like these guys are absolute madmen geniuses uh, and I think the interlude itself is cool. It just kind of kills the pacing of the album a little bit because I think the first half of Boy Racers does such a good job of like continuing the forward momentum of narrator. And then the ambient interlude just kind of derails things until paddling starts. And I like the way that like the end of Boy Racers transitions into the start of paddling. But besides that, I think that that idea was just exactly... It was Unga Pachka in the words of Doughboy's podcast. It was exactly one one too many uh, experimental ideas that they kind of tacked on there that maybe didn't need to be there. But the thing is, is that the rest of the album, literally like outside of that one three minute thing that they could have just cut it a little shorter and it'd probably work fine or cut it entirely and have a different end to that song. It kind of just feels like they didn't really know where that song was going to end, and so they abandon it halfway through and just do this other thing. But the rest of the album, I think, flows like perfectly. Like I think GSK is this incredible opener after the little interlude. I think Narrator was a, a perfect lead single, even though it's eight minutes long and is this insane like journey into hell. Uh, and I think Paddling has grown on me so much. I cannot wait to see Paddling live. That's going to fucking rule so much oh my god anyways i'll let other people talk about this album <laughs> go ahead go ahead I'll, I'll i'll go i'll go first um this album i will say i unfortunately here's the thing i, I want to say off bat i i base level i like this album but unfortunately the more that i i listen to it the more i end up disliking it and finding kind of new things to kind of nitpick about it like i agree for one there's some there's some fat on this album that just needs to be cut. Like someone need to tell Squid, all right, you're only getting one LP. We're not doing a double LP. Cut that fat, please. Like get it down to 45. Like you know the the Boy Racers atmospheric section that goes on too long. It should not take up three minutes of the runtime. Maybe a minute at most. That's some fat I would cut. Uh, some of the songs are just a little bit too long, which is. Uh, they're like I, I like paddling was a single and i think it's okay but it, it you know it, it for, for it's it's kind of one note and that's my issue with this record is that for it, it there's there's multiple times where it's, it's like they walk in a groove but they just sort of stick with it they don't you know go to these you know they don't ex, they don't explore the grooves like i think they should uh but but it also leads me to uh to a couple metaphors that i want to make about this sort of crop of uh, gremlin rock post Brexit, which I hate using that. Uh, what, was the, what was the like NPR term? It was post Brexit, <sighs> post Brexit, which like, here's the thing. It's a good piece. That guy's a good writer. I think it's a good, like, uh, you know, summary of the scene, but also, you know, like come Matthew perpetua in enemy of the idiots. <laughs> for, for the time being, uh, I want to say, so basically 
if we're compare these these so the big four of this year of this year's releases for these like post Brexit you know Gremlin British bands, uh, I would say post I'd say the big four big five, uh, Shame their record uh, the new dry cleaning album uh, Black Country Road Squid and then Black Mage we'll talk about next. Uh, so like uh, Shame that's just like you know that's that's a twelve beers that's a twelve beer night right there <laughs> like that's what Shame are There's, that's just twelve beers in an album you know. It's pretty, it's basically sort of like, what if idols, instead of, you know, instead of, what if Joe Talbot's brain did the internet for today? What if they didn't win the internet for today? They were just like a good rock band. That's what shame is. I think that record's still very good. Uh, Black Country New Road is like uh, when you smoke too much weed and you get really scared. That's Black Country New Road. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, uh, let's see. Dry cleaning. That's like some opioids right there. Like, that's just pretty you know pretty bog standard just like dry cleaning is smoking mids let's let's get it on <laughs> dry cleaning is okay. the most hey, smoking hey, mids. Hey. I, that, was, that was the one that i was the that, that was the one that was most open to interpretation so i'll take smoking mids there you black know is like taking a really awful lsd well i'll just say black is more just like like mainline coke like that's coke straight from pablo escobar <laughs> right there it's well, cocaine cavalcade specifically which we'll get to that's just uh downing a bottle of absinthe and drinking so much you can't see anymore that's the experience <laughs> of that album is coke yeah so okay again uh it's a good interpretations but uh my my fifth one of course is for squid and squid is like doing whippets you know <laughs> you get a quick brief high it's pretty awesome for that second but it's it but in a second it's gone and you just load up the cartridge for a new one. That's squid. Here's the thing. It's got its place. I like I here's the thing. I like smoking some of those whippets sometimes. I think sometimes sometimes they're able to sustain the high for like an entire song like narrator or pamphlets or um fucking uh not GSK. I like the squid songs, but uh, what the Peel fuck Street? do they know about whippets? <laughs> Uh, it's something on the later. Is it, on the is later... it Peel Street, the one that has the really wonky Peel Street's the, the one... wonky groove? Peel Street, uh, I want to say the flyover also. The flyover is the one ha- That's it. Where the one has like the weird like uh, like ar- ar- arpeggiating synth stuff. That's Peel Street. Yep. Peel Street. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes they're able to sustain the high for for a while, but sometimes you have something like the like Boy Racers or Paddling, or even to an extent Documentary Filmmaker, where it's just like okay, like you got your whip it out early, you got the quick high, but now you just got to reload the cartridge and get a new one, and you can't. It's it's you know if you've watched that Steve O documentary about like him getting sober, you'll know that Whippet highs are uh they're it's bad it's bad uh but you know but also you have someone like Gunna who like who will do Whippets on Instagram Live so what do I you know it, Whippets are a land of contrast uh, but no, like I said I think this record's okay <laughs> I, this, I think it's okay I'm excited to see them live I think these songs will definitely translate better live mm-hmm. than anything else uh but again I just I I think it's a band that I, I appreciate them going for it, but also at the same time, it's just like, just because you're on Warp Records doesn't mean you have to have like like so many atmospheric sections and like uh, instrumental interludes. You know, it's like you could just put out a, like, you know, Danny Brown did a record on Warp. He didn't, he didn't do any of that stuff. He just put out a great record. Yeah. You know? I, but, I get what you mean. It's a good record. It's a good record. It's good to band with, with a ton of upside. But again, I, I think of the... Uh, of the, the big five that have come out this year from like the Gremlin mindset stuff it's probably my least favorite Ooh, uh wow. i think i think that and dry cleaning dry cleaning it depends on the day I, but I, 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 I but the dry cleaning record has grown on me we're yeah. not going to talk about it on this on this episode but that record i thought it was boring at first it has grown on me i think that record is good but also they need to fire their guitarist 
and get someone who can do some really interesting stuff uh, with the music. But I, I would put I this album right in the middle of those five. Um, mm-hmm. I think the two, hmm, how to say this, the two black bands uh, are much better. And then <laughs> at the bottom there, you have me throwing darts at the board labeled post-punk saying, I've had enough of this guy. Uh, <laughs> it's It's a genre that should be you know, it's at its best when it's exciting Not and invigorating and it feels new. Well, moderation is a great way to put it because like the worst thing that can happen on this squid record is looking at it and going, uh, it's 55 minutes long, brother. That's simply too much post-punk. Um, and even the stretches where they have great ideas. I think this album opens really strong, like Jackie was saying, and all the way mm-hmm. up through documentary filmmaker, which I think is a really underrated cut on here. I love that song. Rules. Uh, Agreed. and the right, the, I think the writing on there is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in and of itself is like almost, you know, a, a decent record. You throw a closer on there, maybe something you want to keep from the back half like Peel Street. But I think they kind of overshot it. Yeah, it's an overambitious record, which is not the only thing I want to fault it for, because I do think, you know, um, sometimes it falls into the 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 tropes of post-punk, modern post-punk as they were, which is why that Squid out al- or sorry, not Squid, Shame and the Dry Cleaning album, like, I listened to once and was just like for, for music that should be so energetic and so invigorating. It feels like just kind of staring at the wallpaper. Um, you know, I, I, you, you can only listen to parquet courts so many times and be like, Hey, he's going to shout the, the chorus here and there's going to be a breakdown on the bridge. You know, yeah, um, that's the but... hilarious thing though, is that I, I, I am like, the the I, I don't get parquet courts and yet for whatever reason when they're british i'm just like mm, mm, delicious I, it's it's the unintelligible lyrics and the just like all of a sudden you've got to throw in just like this this strange proper noun that i don't understand talking about uh some sort of biscuit or a, a breakfast food i wasn't familiar <laughs> with and now we've entered you know that's what that's what really separates a gremlin rock from from traditional post-punk is just like this sort of nonsensical lyrics uh but i i i think i think the 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 squid i think the lyrics on this album in general are pretty good and i think they do a good job the 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 argument i made on my write-up which is how i personally feel i mean like as someone who loves not by the book post-punk because like i totally get what you mean of being like really bored of just like we're gonna repeat the tropes and that's it and nothing else and that's how i felt about like the first shame album outside of a couple singles, not the new, I think the new one does a good job of like taking their sound in a couple of new, interesting directions. There's a couple of really great songs on that album, but like, I get what you mean when you listen to a band like Fontaine's DC, I think is great. Even though I liked that new album more than their others, like most Fontaine DC's records I listen to, I'm just like, there's nothing really getting me excited here. This is just kind of repeating the the basic outline of what I'm familiar with for this genre without giving me the kind of jolt of energy like you're talking about. But the thing is, is that this album for being definitely a little too long for like 51 of the 54 minutes, I am like locked in, fired up, hooting and hollering. Like I listened to this album again on my way, all driving all the way across LA for another one of my West LA like appointments. And I had just about enough time to listen to the whole record on my way over there because of traffic and side streets and what have you. Uh, and I was just jamming and bopping to the whole, the whole thing. And because even though I was saying like, I really love that opening run of like GSK narrator, the first half of boy racers paddling. I think the side B is better than side a, I think the one, two combo of documentary filmmaker 2010 is like, seek sneakily my favorite moment on the album and not just because 2010 sounds like in rainbows 
but that doesn't hurt. <laughs> uh, but then I really love Peel Street. I think the flyover is kind of an unnecessary interlude, but it's not bad. I really like Peel Street. I really like Global Groove, which even though it's a little more on the nose than like, I think they strike the exact right midsection between the idols and the black midi schools of lyricism, where it's like not complete abstract nonsense. There's clearly like some stuff that they're talking about specifically like themes and whatever. And you can get a little bit more of a sense of like what their politics are, but they're also not saying like Brexit is bad and we really need to stop it like like it's still like pretty they're no, not hitting the, that's idols <laughs> yes exactly like they're not hitting <laughs> I went to the store today I got a bunch of crisps that made me think about Boris Johnson <laughs> mm. they're, they're, they're not like hitting the nail too like there's still a lot of like really like literary like there's references to the J.G. Ballard novel Concrete Island and the uh the novel Ice by uh, I forget the name of another British uh novelist but like there's a lot of really cool like ideas i think and some in some of the lyrical concepts and i just i i think i find this record really fucking fun and if this record isn't fun for you like i if you don't like post-punk if you don't like this particular flavor of post-punk for whatever reason that's fine more more for me like give me what (laughs) make a 70 minute album next time squid i don't care i will i will listen to it and enjoy it because mm-hmm. they are they are just delivering me exactly what I want out of Gremlin Rock, which is they're they're not they're not too far. Like I think the Black Country New Road is my least favorite of those five records because I think that record is like the danger that you run into with the genre of just going all the way up your own ass and like g- being Look, trying so hard to be esoteric like, that you just okay. Push I, I want to get entirely. Well, Jackie has never gotten too high and gotten scared. I, pre- so, I pretend like, I do not. <laughs> I disagree, Maddie. That, that just could not be more incorrect. <laughs> no, that's absolutely not true. That's absolutely not true. But I, I just want to say with this good record, one last thing because I, I didn't, I, one, I, one, I, which I hate to nitpick on this record. I hate to, I hate to nitpick. I think one reason why I think this album has a tough time and why I don't think it it holds up on my re-listens is that Ollie, that's that's the uh, yeah. front man drummer. Which, by the way, uh, you know, bass level. I just want to give this compliment right off the bat. A drummer who sings rare to see love it when you see it uh it's always crazy when when people are able to pull that off like i i think i saw whitney in like 2016 and it was like i don't understand how you're drumming and also singing it's crazy nevertheless nevertheless because they're making bad music hey that first whitney record is good that first record is good we are not litigating we're not not litigate that but i will say I, i think my issue with this album above all else is that the vocals for the most part are kind of one note throughout, like always constantly in this mode where I think someone described it on Indie Heads, on, on the Indie Heads subreddit saying that like, it sounds like he's constantly jumping into like a like cold water, <laughs> ice cold water at all times. And that and that's the mode he's in. Here's the thing, for like sometimes for just single songs like Narrator, it fucking works. It's amazing. But when you're kind of in that mode for like a mm-hmm. good portion of the runtime for this album, it gets a little tiring. It gets, you kind of wish, I wish there was some more variety of the vocals. Cause again, there's occasionally those moments where there's some more variety, but they're kind of few and far between. And that's, that's my hope for the next squid record is, you know, like, yeah, again, yeah. the band is good. I think this album is good, but it's got, it's really flawed and it is, it's maybe, I would say probably, I think that, okay, I will, I will say this, this is definitely better than dry cleaning record. Like near, like any, any album that basically has like one of my favorite songs of the year and narrator, like it can't be worse than the dry cleaning record. Like now, uh, but like again, band has a ton of potential. Excited to see them live, 
but again, just I, I it, it is a young band still trying to figure stuff out. And but but again, the upside, the potential upside is huge. And mm-hmm. I'm very excited for, for what Squid does next. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I totally get people that are a little turned off by the vocals. In fact, that was exact when I, I, I was very, very curious to hear what Ivan think, thought about this album, because I love I love yeah, no, we don't, I, I, yeah. I love asking. We love Ivan, I love asking Ivan Ivan, whatever he thinks about the new the new post punk band. And when, when he texted me like Jackie, like one minute into the album, I'm like, it's the vocals, isn't it? And he was like, yeah, it's the vocals. And <laughs> I, I understand I, I, I've grown very 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 like accustomed to his particular flavor of yelling like a mix i think i think their pronouns are i think it's they though oh i didn't know that but uh uh they they they, like it remind they remind me a lot of the uh the front person of the b-52s like it's that very like exaggerated like cartoon character energy but i don't know it just for me it's yeah, I think it, which here's the it, thing. It, I, I which I get it. Like I said, we're about to Maddie, you're I, I was about to say you're we're, we're, about, to, we're about to talk about Black Midi. You're a Jordan yeah. Green yeah. fan. I, I want to get my piece in on this album right now. Go go ahead, Rose. Go ahead, Rose. So like all the other British post punk bands for the most part are like they're really grouchy. Like to compare it to original post punk, it's like all the golf bands, you know? Like this is mm. this oh, is boy, the analogy. These guys are the talking heads equivalent. Like they're the really weird ones who just immediately go for like they're really like I don't know, very hooky interview oh while still going kind of weird. What was that thread? I think like Bog Chaser had like David Byrne versus James Murphy. <laughs> Let me see if I can find this thread because there's I, a lot of really great yeah. David Byrne. There's, there's a lot of really good material in here, especially in the first half. Like I think the first half is definitely the stronger section. I think the Boy Racers thing isn't too indulgent, especially since it segues so well into paddling. Like it's generally very solid for the start. And then the second half kind of loses me a little bit, but it's all right. No we God. should move I on, though, because this album was a... weirder, we... to be honest. Yeah, mm. yeah, like, I think it's their biggest indulgent. I think they're going as indulgent as they can, but it's not indulgent enough somehow. I, again, like I said, I, I, I agree. But again, I, I, I think, again, much like our next record. Yeah, Black I was going to say, like, it's hard to talk about indulgent when you get to this next. For, for a band whose who's debut was already very indulgent, uh, their, their follow-up is somehow even more and of course, Star Wars Minis Cavalcade, their second album, and their first as a, for the time being, a trio of uh, Jordy Greep, uh, Cameron Picton, and Morgan Simpson. And again, as uh, as Matt uh, was not a part of the sessions for this album, uh, who was their guitarist, uh, mental health issues again. But I think he'll be on their tour coming up. So, Matt, I just want to say off bat, Matt, we miss you. Can't wait to see you back in the band. Uh, but nevertheless, Black Mini Cavalcade. Um, I all I, I did not write about this one. AJ did, so AJ, actually, I'll let you. I will let you lead on this one. Black Mini Cavalcade. What what's it all about? Yeah, well, Black Mini Cavalcade is the follow up to what I would consider one of the very best albums of the past decade, and definitely one of the most kind of exciting and unpredictable rock acts to emerge in the 2010s. Uh, following up schlagenheim from black midi who sort of you know emerged with some live performances and some singles that were really uh had had truly no contemporaries they were a rare band where they sounded you know people were drawing comparisons to like 
talking heads and things that were sort of like, you know, faster and punkier. But Schlagenheim is is an album truly uh, of its own genre. And Black Midi find themselves on the vanguard of this emerging uh, post-punk movement that we now know as the Gremlin Rock. And so Cavalcade, walking into it, you might assume that the stakes are very high. They just had this huge statement record. They've basically broken out into a global success and they've got a lot riding on avoiding this sophomore slump. Uh, and I think... One of the things I like the most about Cavalcade is it is a huge fucking turn for Black Midi, even though it sounds like them, but just the subject matter and the songwriting and the the statements on this record are so not what you would expect from a follow-up to an album like Schlagenheim, and so not of the moment where it feels like all of these albums and all of these records are coming out have to be like the thing and have to introduce something new and sort of be this big, bold thing. And Cavalcade... The boys are just straight up having fun on this one. They're going a little nutty with it. They're just fucking breaking it down and doing whatever it is the hell that they want to do. And it doesn't always pay off in terms of like melodic great songs. It's nowhere near as good as Schlagenheim. Um, but Schlagenheim, I think, is one of the best rock albums of all time. So it doesn't Same. need to be. This album is fucking weird. And I really like it the more I listen to it. My first impressions were sort of like, gosh, that was kind of that was a kind of weird one, um, but there are a lot of, of moments that I keep coming back to on this thing. Um, the sort of like impression that I walk away the most with from Cavalcade is just like, give me give me a Black Midi album every year, give me two a year if they want to do that. They are clearly a band with a great work ethic, and they love to jam and they love to just chop it up. There's a whole uh, companion covers album that came along with this thing that if you can find a download of that online and recommend five lexi singles they were all separate covers from those yeah uh these guys clearly love playing weird loud discordant music um and honestly like i'm as excited when they drop a new kexp session as i am when they drop a new album because you you truly know you truly never know what you're gonna get uh from black midi uh oh yeah the the key the, 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 yeah. the most recent one where where uh jordy grieb is cosplaying as robert pattinson's character <laughs> yeah. in that netflix movie and after the and first a... song they, they go into the, there's like there's like a you know old-timey piano starts playing they're arguing like they're in like a fucking saloon or something it rocks yeah more and that's more, like more, the experience more of listening stuff. to this thing uh yeah right I, it, the concept it, stuff on here I mean, John L, John 50, whatever you want to call it. What a weird fucking way John to open 50. this album that is this John Fitty. When John 50 comes to town. <laughs> what is this song? Like, um, yeah, this, this one was like, when it first came out, I was like, what the hell is this? I don't even know if I'm into this. This just kind of seems like a little too, like they've just... The thing was, is I was worried when this album was coming up that they were going to do exactly what black country new road did which is go too far up their own ass and it's like they did but here's the thing is that black midi's ass is good and they're allowed to go up it <laughs> that's basically my I, my I thesis think... is that like they are they are going See, at their the most thing, indulgent like... and their most like inwardly reflexing and like aj was talking about like this album doesn't feel like it's an album of the moment it feels like it's weirdly classical in its like textures yeah. and kind of grand. Yeah, yeah, like it. he's on his fucking Scott Walker shit for like a good amount of the runtime. Like 
I, I wouldn't Marlene. even say that. Like, like the voice, the vocal work he's doing more reminds me of uh, Hayden, I believe it is, from Wild Beast, which is another yeah. slightly less contemporary British band that, like, really has those, like, weird crooner vibes going on. Look, I've never heard a Wild Beast song, and I'm gonna, <laughs> so I'm gonna stick with my, my Scott Walker comparison, because I've also seen yeah, writers that's fair. make it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having a joke i'm having a rib with yeah yeah i know but i'm just drawing in my own comparisons and on honestly like john l like the lead single is a very weird one and it's probably my least favorite thing on the record but like i i gotta disagree i feel like i think i think john 50 is still my favorite song but here's the thing i like this better than slug nine wow that's I, i think it is more of what I they should it. be doing like they, they've gone and thrown themselves in all directions and it kind of shows that they're like working towards something that's very exciting like i think they could make better than this even and yeah. i i love schlagenheim like that was my second favorite thing of 2019 i think mm-hmm. I, I think the most notable thing about about cavalcade obviously is the fact that for one this was a record that was made in quarantine and so of course, the usual method of black mini songwriting was, you know, was born out of jam sessions. Well, to be fair, they wrote most of these songs before. Well, then, I will like, say there's a good, there's a good amount of the songs that were written, like that were written, or at least, you know, the, the pieces were from those jams, but they end up, does say that a lot of this album was written, you know, kind of isolated and sort of were the first time they were like just writing songs and then kind of bring them to the group and then sort of going from there. Um, and I think it shows, because I think this record is much more, um, Despite the fact that some of the songs on here are longer than anything on Schlagenheim, it is definitely much more, uh, you know, properly pieced together. You know, it's like it's not of in the moment. It's very much like calculated. And I think that and, and I think, you know, that works for the most part of this record. And I still I love this record a lot. It's one of my favorite albums of the year. But again, as AJ said, I just don't think it's as good as Schlagenheim. But they're both very different albums. So it's sort of hard to compare the two because I feel like they're going in so many new directions on this record that are very exciting and make for a lot of really great tracks. Obviously, John 50 is probably the closest to uh, the material on Schlagenheim. And I fucking love, I fucking love John 50. I have, I think I've listened to that song like 30 times since it's come out. I think it's fucking great. It's very funny. The video is great when the giant baby appears. I, we, we love a giant baby. Uh, Chandro so we'll talk Malicia. about a song that's cryptically political Chandro as well. Masal- oh, yeah. Chandro Malicia Patella. Yes, uh, but I, I, I want to let's let's go. Well, I'll, I'll roll it back to John Fifty because yeah, very much the song is about it's about this sort of cult leader essentially, or someone who's trying to be like a wannabe cult leader, you know, and him being torn limb by limb by the end of the song essentially, you know. Like I think Black Midi's here's a good Black Midi. Their their lyrics are very much they're not super straightforward. It's kind of it, they're very theatrical, you know. It's sort but of. I mean, like, I, I think the meanings are more easy to parse on this one than the previous one, at least. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. You, you you can kind of tell the actual concepts on most of them, unlike Schlagenheim, where I'm just like, I don't know what this is, but they're saying. Yeah, Schlagenheim. Cool. It's just like you know what the hell is he talking about with like it's raven with like ravens and sweat and old people? I don't know. It's a vibe. Uh, but no, this record is a bit like lyrically easier to parse, but instrumentally a little more. It, it doesn't have that like the immediate highs of Schlagenheim are not present on this record mm-hmm. as much. And I, I do mean, think that makes for a rewarding listen. Because like, well, here's you, like, I, I, I say, you know how I, hard I, the I, endings, I, the the last two minutes of Chrono Malice of Patella go. Like, look, they do. Well, here's the thing. I I, I said that this that it doesn't have as many contact highs. There's still plenty of contact highs on here. Like right, like John Fifty. Obviously, uh, Chandro, Malicia, Patella, which the beginning sounds like an early 90s. Like, it sounds like something that could be on, like, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, 
like that beginning <laughs> part where like the guitars jamming and stuff and before like before Anthony Kiedis comes in and before Anthony Kiedis comes in and but then of course it has like uh, one one notable thing is that this record um it is a very collaborative record despite losing a member they've sort of added a hell of a lot more contributors you know there's a lot of horn sections and there's some more string stuff and like as i said like marlene dietrich and ascending forth sound like scott walker songs essentially like early like you know the late 60s stuff but maybe a little with a little more you know experimentation thrown in it's very much in line with like the the jacques brel covers that he did on those first three uh scott album you know what this album reminded i think i said this in the discord once but the the the, the album i never in 1000 years expected to think about while listening to the follow-up to schlagenheim was a uh, tranquility base hotel and casino but that is an album that is an album that i thought about while listening to this album where it's like instead of giving you what is ex- we expected two entirely different things from both black midi and arctic monkeys who are very two very different bands and both of them were like i'm gonna give you a weird lounge singing album instead and i i i think there there's a lot i like about this album i think it's definitely it is simultaneously i would agree not quite as good as schlagenheim but because it is going in a really interesting new direction and is doing it really really well i'm not going to be nearly as nitpicky as i am with a band that comes up with a follow-up that's like repeating the same formula but not as well like they're trying so much new stuff here that like i was willing to give it more time and i found that it's, it grew on me over time like I, I john 50 specifically has grown on me a lot just because i think that 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 kind of hook is is weirdly catchy in its own way the the, the, the john 50 repeated thing and i really like the lyric where it says the gargling non-song whips throng into frenzy and echoes of his crooning now cease to be heard like i, lo- I love calling it, like they're describing what's happening in the the, the gargling non-song that's what john l is it's like this <laughs> this haunted thing but there's also like like you're saying like something so much more traditional and classical about this album at the same time not only in the the vocals but like in the the very like like you're saying theatrical presentation has always been part of their vocal presentation but like the instrumental is so theatrical like this is fucking looney tunes music like it is it is uh like it's like those scenes with cartoon orchestras where like bugs bunny is like trying to play the piano and something's coming up in the way constantly yes exactly (laughs) that 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 is that is what this feels like 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 they even have those little flourishes where like one little instrument will play and then just the entire band comes crashing down on them like on a hogwash and boulder dash where there's that one little like clarinet it's like going and then just just everyone comes crashing at once big looney tunes vibes throughout for sure you you walk out of schlagenheim and you're like this is a sort of frenetic angry little guitar band of just some perverted little like this is a band that sounds like they're having so much fun yeah and then on cavalcade they give you this weirdly sprawling symphonic suite where all of the songs sound as if they were written by candlelight and it's this cryptic you know like the thing it's more like that they're just prog um, guys now they're, they're just like prog guys now but it's more it's, it is more like that spoken word uh ambient instrumental thing they put out on Bandcamp than it is like mm-hmm. schlagenheim and i kind of respect them for doing that because yeah this thing's fucking weird if i hadn't said it already yet like like, like mm. it's kind of doing all parts of their sound in a weird way like you know you got the slow ones like slow especially is maybe my favorite song they've ever done it's just like so like 
I don't know the word I'm looking for. Like, like kind of majestic, but also just like reserved in the way that it uses a lot of its scale. <laughs> like, especially when, you know, like when, when they choose the way they choose to layer it individually in different parts, like, you know, taking it up and down in the overall volume while still, you know, giving you those moments that really excite you. <laughs> And then, you know, there's songs where they're just, like, going full hog, like, dethroned, where it's just, like, full guitars all the way for the entire song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this is, again, it's a, it's a great record. Like, I think this is a great record, and it's one that I'm I'm very intrigued to see how it translates live. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm, I'm most intrigued by. And also the fact that, here's the thing, as a AJ, or was it AJ or Jackie, this is a band that I hope puts out a record every single year, every mm-hmm. year and a half. They got the work ethic. They're already like working on LP three. Yeah, like, like he's like... been talking about that on his Insta, his you know, uh, the film of the year, the Greek, the Greek business mindset <laughs> streams. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, he's like teasing a new album for this fall or something like that, and I'm I'm sure he's just taking the piss as as those Brits like to do. But if they do it, give we were it talking, to me. they do. We were talking yeah. about with 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 Death Grips is it's like there are some bands that start dropping like every three months just because they're like desperately trying to keep your attention. And there are some bands where it's like you guys seem to just create so effortlessly at this particular point in your career that you genuinely have enough material to drop every six months. Like Death Grips wasn't stretching to get to those two a year drops. Like they they had they had the money store on their hard drive and then they had no love deep web just lying around on top Mm. of that like like that's how productive they were during that period i feel like black midi is in a similar space where like they could put out they put out a covers compilation they put out this album and they could put out an album tomorrow that could be you know a a third weird direction that we hadn't even considered and i would believe it like Uh, i as much as this album is not like one of my absolute favorites of the year like i told i said that i I enjoyed the squid album more because even though like obviously the squid album is way more basic than this is but like also i don't foresee myself throwing cavalcade on in the grocery store or like on my way to work but like the the squid album i i feel like really i like listening to it on walks and runs and i like listening to it on commutes and things and i feel like it's just like integrated into my kind of day-to-day listening habits in a much more easy way because it's got a lot of like hooks and and grooves to dance to and this is not trying to fit into that box at all in fact it is it is as far from that box as possible which i really 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 admire about it but i also think that 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 kind of insular nature can have its limits in terms of how far it's been because i think black midi is a a a band that has transcended just being a band for weird little guitar freaks like us like i think they are like I know lots of people that don't listen to all of this post-punk crap that are tuned into Black Midi after Schlagenheim because they were like, that album was really cool and different, and I want to see what this group does next. And I think we're all in agreement that like the future of Black Midi, that 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 Greep's in big business, baby. He's wearing the suits. The stocks are going up. <laughs> oh my god! I, I want to say before we what move on to the next record because we have we have I, a lot to the, get to when we're we like have, an we have hour. To get in. To. I, I just I just want to say all the press photos are are great group in the suits and then everyone else just like wearing like they again it's it's take the your dentist office one <laughs> yeah the dentist office it's you know they're trying out different outfits they're doing they're doing different jobs you know there's sometimes they're chefs sometimes they're firemen sometimes they are let dentists. those it's, let those boys cook let those boys cook uh it is a good record 
And speaking of good records, our next album we're talking about is Spirit of the Beehive's Entertainment Death, an early Q2 highlight for me. Uh, and I'll, I'll lead off because I wrote about this one. I, I'll, um, I'll see y'all in 10 minutes when, I, <laughs> when you're done talking about this one. Fair, fair, fair. Um, no, this record. Uh, so so Jackie was I want to I want to thank Jackie because Jackie was very adamant about being like, give this record a chance. And I'm glad I did because I would say this is maybe my album of the year so far. I think it's kind of a toss up between this and uh, Dean Blunt's Black Metal 2, which I also talk about. But, uh, you know, Black Metal 2 discussion. Uh, we'll table that for the time being, because again, I'm the. I think maybe me and AJ are the only ones who have have dug into that record and can speak on it. But I want to. I want to. You know, again, I've got I've got boys in the background. I want to let cook on that record. So uh, that's all I'll say. But this record, I got. I'm glad I gave it more time because I feel like the more that I listen to it, the more I really love this record. It is just one of the most fun, adventurous rock records I've heard in some time, mm-hmm. and in ways that you know, where Black Mini is obviously also very adventurous. But I feel like with Black Midi, there is occasionally, you know, a, a kind of a disconnect, you know, where it's very much like some, sometimes it's hard to emotionally tether yourself to there. It's all about the thrills and the chills. And I feel like with this record, like the way that I described it was sort of like a lot of this record sort of operates in like the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. But there are, there are those moments of true, pure humanity that like that push to the mix mm-hmm. that, that go past the TV screen you know uh fucking ring style and pull out and grab you and it's those moments that really make this record great and also just some really inspired songwriting it's it's you know like i said those you know the 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 last uh spirit of the beehive record is you know it's it's some fun kind of uh you know kind of jittery dreamy indie rock but i feel like this record really expands and really shows its influences in a, it, you know, it, it's very much, you know, the comparison that I think Jackie and I and a number of, number of others made at the time is that this record feels a lot like a one oh six point never record. Yes. It feels like an indie rock version of that. It's like, what if I don't love me anymore was expanded on and made to like a full record. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think it's incredible. I think, uh, like I said, the first two tracks are fucking amazing that the, the way, just the, the noise and the, 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 the death and just, especially the end of the second track where he's just yelling, I'll be your friend just frenetically, like just grabs you. There's just, there's so many moments of just inspired and, and all, you know, all inspiring songwriting that just I fucking love this record so much. I, I agree. I, I was very, I believe actually this album came like right before we did the Q1 podcast we did. And I think Mm -hmm. I I said on that episode, like I was having difficulty preparing for that episode because I was just fully obsessed with this. Like this album latched its hooks into me right away from listen one and has kept with me since, which I was, I was like Maddie, like I, I listened to hypnic jerks and I liked it, but it didn't really like grab me. There was like something all over the place about it that made it hard to like, pinpoint and this album has gone further in that direction but in a way that like really really works i think the one of tricks point never comparison which i've made before is 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 definitely apt like there were some people i saw compare this to death grips which was just like the biggest fucking it's like you know just because they 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 make sounds that are noisy and scary does not mean death grips you don't you, you can you can know more than one band that uses noise elements but anyways point aside i agree that like the thing that really reminds me of, of one of tricks is the way that that album 
Magic OPN specifically, the album from last year, is like constantly changing and shifting and mutating. And that's exactly what Entertainment Death is doing, where like the, you, you'll have moments like the very the, 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 the opening of the album really like tells you what to expect is it gives you this harsh, noisy, like completely disordered thing. And all of a sudden this guitar comes in and it's like the, the chaos just snaps into place. But that, that 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 brief moment of like clarity where you can see through the chaos only lasts for a moment. It's this fleeting thing that this album manages to constantly deliver you these sugar high like indie rock uh, songwriting moments that like Maddie's saying like totally like give you like what you want out of like great indie pop music. But also they they th- those pleasures never last for longer than thirty seconds before it either gives way into another idea or whether like the song feels like it starts to fall apart. And like I think you described this album as like nostalgia eating itself, and I kind of love how this record reminds me of so many other records and bands from the last ten years of indie rock, but it feels like they've all been fed into someone's like dreams and subconscious, and all these different influences are like floating around like there are moments and i think that kind of is helped by the fact that spirit of the beehive is this very chameleonic band where they not only have a lot of different strengths and a lot of members that contribute different things but they have like different vocalists who also sound different from song to song like on give up your life he sounds kind of like uh alex g but then on uh it might take some time specifically the second half of it might take some time he reminds me a lot of uh julian casablanca's weirdly and that sounds a lot like a, a stroke song the way he sings that the, it might take some time like it's very julian but then there's also like wrong circle which sounds like their version of like a postal service song like all of these and also, the other record this reminds me a lot of is uh, Little Dark Age by MGMT. I think like the kind of mix of psychedelia and pop music and, and kind of a lot of the textures are really similar and some of the themes about the way it's dealing with like modern life and like the way that the internet is affecting us and all that stuff. But I think this record is like way more experimental than Little Dark Age is and is way more like out there and genuinely like the freak out moments on this album are genuinely freaky. Like there's nothing you can't do and I suck the devil's cock, which is just making the making I suck the devil's cock a single is just one of the most inspired moments of a band being <laughs> on their bullshit this year. Because even though it's like not even one of my favorite songs on the record i just have to respect them making a almost seven minute long uh incredibly off-putting song called i suck the devil's cock their second single (laughs) for this album behind the server is immense which is like a a, a perfect single yeah like again i suck the devil's cock is just this it's it's i think it was a third single before they drop the record it's just it's this multi-part suite essentially yeah that goes to all these different places it, it, in some ways it feels like a condensed version of the entire record at, at, at certain points uh but no there's so many like i said just so many like great moments that's just sort of hard, like the, the moment and give up your life where like the bass really kicks in towards mm-hmm. like a minute and a half in obviously the, the transition between entertainment and there's nothing you can't do um the server is immersed the the part where just everything comes together it's just it, it's it's a great groove mm-hmm. 
and oh my god the flow is really really good too like that that this album could feel so meandering if it weren't for the fact that like especially uh the the way this i think of this album is like there's the opening and the ending which are the first two songs and the last two songs like entertainment and there's nothing you can't do or like the way the album introduces you and then the the outro of i suck the devil's cock into death and then that whole two, three through nine run is like the real meat of the album and essentially yeah. acts as this one kind of suite where every single song has not only one really good idea, but like a couple of different good ideas that kind of blur into each other and one will start and one will end or like a song will be going somewhere and then all of a sudden like it just blossoms into this other thing that it becomes all of a sudden and like one vocalist will drop out and the other one will come in and it just feels so uh so alive and so like uh so like you're saying uncanny valley is the right word like there's something off-putting and comforting about it throughout uh and and it really manages to exist in that weird uncanny valley without being like off-putting as a listen like i i I am really obsessed with this album and i really like thinking about it and talking about it but it's not like some of these esoteric indie critic bait albums where it's like oh i've got to really talk myself into liking it by adding all this there's like there's like a lot of like genuine like pleasures to be had on this album and i think from my very first listen like even though i didn't grasp it fully right away there were so many things that jumped out to me i was like oh i like that part i like that hook i like that guitar moment and and like maddie's saying like those things are really memorable and they stick with you and it makes you want to keep coming back to this record which is only 36 minutes you can power through it it's lean it's a lean record and that's and i appreciate that a lot it's it's the fact that this record is so is so relatively short i mean it's not you know uh super it's you know pretty standard length i would say uh but it's still very lean and it still packs so many different ideas and the fact that it packs in so many ideas and that they all work really really well and they're so different and varied and sometimes they're just all in the same song it, it, it's one of the most impressive indie rock releases in some time like i like i said the death grips thing again people you know they're little babies jackie they're little babies they they haven't learned uh but like you know i i was actually listening to a little bit of a uh, magic world tricks play never mm-hmm. today because I, I had on my record player and I even then I feel like it does the concept of that record a lot better of this sort of like shifting radio station and sort of different transmissions and different mm. frequencies are popping in and out. I feel like it does that concept a lot better. And I think because in some ways, I think at the end of the day, like there is something inherent about rock music that is especially the indie rock in this sort of vein that feels so deeply human and is so easy to attach yourself to and why you know it it grabs so many people and why Mm -hmm. you know why especially in the 2010s why so many artists you know would try to take bits and pieces of it and try to put into pop music especially coming in the 2020s that's especially apparent now uh even more so because of playlist culture uh but no this this record is fucking incredible i uh i hope they announce an la date at some point this year i want to see how these songs translate live because this is this is a fucking good record, folks. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of the best of the year. Uh, b- believe the hype. The, the critics are right about this one, which is which is rare these days to me. But the critics are are absolutely correct in this one. It's fucking great. I love it a lot. I I have only one take, which is a 
I didn't like this much. I think the Glockamora guy should go back and do Glockamora for all the freaks who like Orcore. Orcore, Orcore. Look, Spirit of the Beehive all have been, I don't know, an emo adjacent band for a while that people have been saying. They've got like a, an absolute classic, an absolute stunner in them for a while. Uh, I thought Pleasure Suck was really great when that album came out. Um, and then Hypnic Jerks. I liked, but people were sort of, I saw the same sort of consensus as like, you know, this is one of the best like records. This is really slept on. This band's going to come out with a, a real stunner. And then entertainment death feels like people cashed in on that. And I'm not sure it was the right moment. I really like this album. I just think that like, when I listen to it, I get really lost in this album, which it sounds like is what y'all really appreciate about it. I think there's great moments and great sounds and great songs on here, but the whole thing is very like, I still have a hard, I've listened to this record like, you know, a dozen times, probably. I think I like it. It'll be on my top 50 of the year, but I find it so chaotic and so like mm. obtuse. And this is coming from someone who just effusively praised <laughs> Black Midi's Cavalcade, but it's like, it's just kind of, you know, it, it doesn't, it mm. doesn't quite scratch my brain in that sort of way. And like, there's more like um, this, this sort of standout, like song songs, obviously entertainment um, and wake up in rotation are the ones that are like, Oh shit, I really wake up and I'm like, this is this band is doing it to him. But the like sonic just sort of soundscapes on this thing are really uh labyrinthian in a way that that finds it hard for me to like identify what it is I like about this album, which is, by the way, an album I do like for the record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I get it, and I, and I feel like the your I, I want to say I feel like your criticism for this album is kind of how I feel about Cavalcade, where I feel like Cavalcade is is a record that I like a lot, but also I find I find it kind of hard to like really dig in. It feels like it's it's this big labyrinth, you know, where I feel like it, it's it's the band doing. You know, here's the thing: big Scott Walker fan. I I I appreciate any band that that really hones in on that influence, but also it kind of feels like it's a bit I'm not being fully let in on. Whereas I feel like this album, where, where I feel like Entertainment Death is just so sincere in its intentions and so sincere in, in how, it, you know, its lyrics and just its emotional core that it just, I, I it, you know, it, it also this record, you know, it, they thankfully didn't make a big deal of it sort of in the press, but this was a record that was made essentially in quarantine. You know, this is like, okay, where we don't have, I think the band had like five members before this band got knocked down to like three members just yep. the i think the glockamora guy um fuck i'm gonna let me let me pull up I, I, I have it here it's zach schwartz Thank from you. uh guacamora uh, from glockamora uh rivka uh ravde um who's the uh, the, the other vocalist and i believe she's a founding member too yes. so uh, and then the new member is Corey wishlin who plays keyboard sampler guitar uh drums vocals mm -hmm. and i do i do think that 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 pairing the band down to just you know three core members mm -hmm. and making a record where it's like you know this record was made in existence where it's like i don't fucking know if touring is going to be a thing yeah. anymore like I, and i think that greatly benefits this record and i and i will say aj i do agree i do think that like again uh, i this is a great record it's my favorite album of the year so far probably but again it, it is a band that's like i think what they could do could potentially be better if they just mm -hmm. expand on this a little more and really hone in on some of the aspects you know i don't want to hear another you know kind of traditional indie rock record from this band ever again because they're going out there with this record like they are they are swinging for the fences and i want to i want to see some more i want some more babe roofs i want some more albert pool hosts i want some barry bonds i want i want them home runs baby because this record's a home run in my books 
but unless we had any more me thoughts. At, me at 3 a.m. going back for another hit of the devil's cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, speaking uh, of uh, a bands that, that Spear of the Beehive have toured with, uh, our next band slash artist slash album is Japanese Breakfast Jubilee. You ever heard of I, them? Yeah. Uh, which I oh, actually... Wow. I, another I, episode we should have done. I, I will say, yeah, this one. We'll, we'll we're gonna, you know, we'll get into it. I, I want to say, my, I have a quick, very brief story about because uh, this is a good transition because I saw Spear of the Beehive open for Japanese Breakfast uh, when I lived in Chicago, and I went on like a tender day with somebody. And anyone who was in a group chat with me at the time, uh, this is this is this was a date that went so badly. I had to start seeking a counselor after this because my friends were concerned for me. So that, <laughs> that that's my that's my brief story. Uh, but no, Japanese Records Jubilee, first record in four years, and a record that is not even the culmination of a, of a shit ton of hype that's built up in the last year. I feel like this record's only a footnote in this coronation of Japanese Breakfast as this big indie player. Because yes. it's like, this hey, record... I think it's a combination of factors. Like, A, critics realizing, like, oh, damn, we should have really gone on those last two records. B, the uh, hype from... Uh, crying in hmr really yeah. hitting big and then just generally like it's more her popular appeal kind of record i guess yeah i i think this record is is very much sort of you know it, it is for better or worse a, a record that lives up to the potential of jabber's Orcus. that is like okay this is the record that critics have been wanting her to fully make and this isn't to say that critics dislike the first two records again psychopop had its fans soft sounds had its fans but again as as we were saying i think critics were you know not fully ready to cash in just yet and, and I they should like, have like one album they, ago they, they should have on soft sounds definitely and so you know uh i, I guess i'll be i guess i'll start because i i don't have a whole lot of thoughts it, it definitely feels like you know critics are cashing in because they missed out and this record is a good record actually i re-listened to it today of course for this episode and i actually enjoyed it a lot more than i than i did previously i think this record you know i it had very high expectations and i don't think it fully meets those but what's good on this record is very very good mm-hmm. and it is you know yeah you, you gotta be happy for michelle like having this fucking incredible landmark year and the fact that like she's about to be on tour for like the next six months like and then start working on a movie immediately like yeah just yeah. really normal itinerary there yeah the the again i if you could find her tour dates she's probably playing a show near you like or you live two. in bumfuck yeah but you live in bumfuck iowa she's probably playing a show near you like it, her tour itinerary is insane but that's the, that's besides the point um but no this record is very very good i think uh there's a lot of stuff to like on this record i do like some of the the new directions she kind of goes in i think obviously be sweet that's a great lead single i think uh you know the fact that like basically like one of the last official release songs well i think it's like slash two was like that bumper ep and then like the tears for fears cover I feel like those are two very good setups for B Suite of this, you know, kind of like just classic indie song, essentially, you know, like these like Wild Nothing uh, on on the helping out on some of the production boards with it. Mm. Sounds great. I think Wild Nothing as a songwriter has kind of uh, uh, not not a good songwriter at this point, but a good curator of sounds. Mm-hmm. And I think because I think B Suite sounds incredible and I think he has a lot to it. But of course, obviously, it's mostly Michelle. Michelle just yeah. is, you know fully on her fully on her shit for a lot of circuit because i think one thing about the circuit that i really like is it's a very diverse record it goes in a lot of different places but doesn't you know doesn't you know 
rubber band you all over the place, but definitely like you know you have you have a bit of a fun. You have a bit. It's, it's like you know yeah. you're speed dating a little bit with this record. It, it, it kind of feels. I I think my biggest criticism of it is also why I think it is so being it's why it's being received the way it is it feels more like a sort of like resume for for michelle and why she's cool and good and fun and you should get into mm. her music you know what i mean like it's like here yeah yeah here like, is me showing yeah. off like a variety of my other thing other pitches in my arsenal that i haven't shown you before and i i agree with you like the versatility of this this record is its strength especially in the the first half which is the the more upbeat poppy half of it with paprika be sweet kokomo and slide tackle i think that four suite of songs is really 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 great and i think it transitions very well into posing into bondage which is like a great second single and a great moment where the kind of pain comes in i think my other big issue with it though is that i feel like this record tries to do a similar sort of structure as soft sounds does where it's like okay here's this opening part where a lot of the singles are and a lot of the more kind of easygoing songs are and as the track list progresses so does the pain and i think this album it's not like i don't like that it does this again and it's not like i don't i like one half of this album more than the other effectively i think the handoff is the problem it feels like the first half of this album and the second half of this album are kind of two different albums and that the the kind of connective tissue between them doesn't feel as natural as it does on soft sounds where like that album goes in a lot of different places but it feels cohesive as hell where this album yeah, I yeah, is I, I, I like almost all of the individual components of this album there is not really a song on here where i'm like that's kind of a stinker michelle why do you leave this one on here but it doesn't really congeal into something greater than the sum of its parts yet for me but i will agree with maddie that like it's definitely grown on me a little over time i think what what threw me off about this album at first is that, you know, as someone who's incredibly too invested in the Jap, you know, have have cashed in all my Japanese breakfast stock, um, that it wasn't this big, expansive, you know, evolution that we've been tracking in her career from, you know, Psychopomp to Soft Sounds and all of the other things she's done. Like she's been exploring her sound and like is always just coming up with new stuff. I remember hearing Diving Woman for the first time live and being like, what, what the fuck is going on here? I like wh- wherever this is headed. Right. And then, you know, soft sounds being this dark atmospheric kind of odyssey um, through all of these different genres after psychopomp being such a, you know, direct hit of an album. The, the take that it took me a long time to come around to is that Jubilee feels a lot more like, psychopomp than it does soft sounds actually Hmm. it almost feels like uh you know psychopomp 2 and reveals soft sounds as this sort of weird its own thing in her catalog i think like her songwriting and her lyricism and the way she writes is is all consistent throughout there but uh like structurally and tonally jubilee the more i listen to it reminds me of psychopomp in that way where it's very fun and sort of in your face and very energetic um it's basically i'll borrow what maddie was doing with the with the drug uh analogies earlier like psychopomp and jubilee are uppers and soft sounds is downers is where we're at here basically um jubilee also sort of threw me for a loop when michelle had described it as an album about joy and i think it has like 
her three saddest songs ever written on it. Um, yeah, like mo- <laughs> most of this album is just incredibly miserable. Even the songs that are trying to be happy just like have this undercurrent of like, oh, this is quite depressing actually. And that's part of what kind of bumps me out. It's just like, I was hoping for something that could make me feel happy, but no. Uh, even even then, I feel like, you know, here's the thing. Uh, like I said, obviously songs like Paprika and Be Sweet are very joyous. But obviously, we have something like, you know, like Posing in Bondage. I think Posing in Bondage probably gets top three songs on this record for me. I really love it's po- Posing in Bondage. Oh, yeah, it's by far my favorite here. I really love the the minimalness of that song. It feels like something off of like Climate of Hunter or something to go back to my, my Scott Walker comparison well. Uh, but like, I, I will say, I don't really, I won't necessarily say it's the first half. I will say like Paprika to Savage Good Boy great stuff like paprika be sweet kokomo in sly tackle posing in bondage savage good boy all great songs it's where in hell and posing for cars is kind of where it's like those are all three good songs but by then it feels like the flow of the record has fully kind of it it, it doesn't it's just at that point the flow has fully revealed itself to be like not quite there It, it is not quite as cohesive as those first two records which here's the thing when the songs are all this good, it's kind of hard to complain too much, but it is like, you know, I, I would say, you know, if we're talking about like joyous records or, you know, albums that were advertised as joyous, I feel like a, a solid comparison you could kind of make it between is like, is this record and utopia from Bjork. I feel like those are two very similar records in hmm. terms of the headspace where it is like, sort of they're advertised as like kind of joyous records, but there is a lot of dark undercurrents and kind of, you know, lingering anger and sadness and grief from the last project and i think obviously like aesthetically you know some of the more poppy stuff on soft sounds and some of the stuff on here is very similar you know yeah like if there's one thing it is like after four years you know like it doesn't i feel like this record you know here's the thing this is this record was delayed because of covid yes. like it was she, supposed to come out it was it, it was, was supposed done. to come out it, it's been on it the was shelf done. for a long time and i think that's actually like one of the things that kind of hurts it a little bit is because like yeah because it's now been four years and all of quarantine which felt like four years and so like now it's like and also because it's coming with so much fanfare that i think a lot of us japanese breakfast like fans who have been fans for a while were like we want this to be the one and i think if we had gotten this record like uh right if 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 pandemic had never happened and we just got this record like on the timetable that we were like this time like this time last year i I think i think we would be probably more positive i mean i'm i'm not super negative on this i think this album yeah no i still like this like like, like, it's it's like to me it is definitely the least of their catalog by far i would say i i think i just feel a little more as 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 you were saying maddie as you're kind of saying rose a little more disconnected from it where my reaction is less like this is the album for me and i will protect it with my life it's more uh to 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 tribute the 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 late great uh, jessica walters good for her you know that's like my review of this album is i'm just (laughs) like yeah yeah like i'm happy for michelle she should she deserves the world and should get like everything possible like it's if she like a victory it, lap for sure if, if, and well. if the if the victory lap slash cash out album it could have been like a hundred times more crass and like <laughs> blunt about it than this record is and she yeah, still, she, could, she could have gotten away with it and i still would be like good for her and i think this album strikes a really perfect balance of like this record definitely feels of a piece with the rest of her career like you were talking about with like I mean, this is her joy record sonically. It's just that, like, her lyric writing is just, it is what it is. Like, she has this kind of blunt intimacy that just, 
and I mean, I, I think the comparison to Psychopomp is good because the thing about Psychopomp is that when you first re- when I was first introduced to that album, I was like, oh, this is really fun, uh, catchy indie rock record. I'm really getting to love this record. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, let me read about what this album is like about and what her personal background is. And then let me read the lyrics again. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Pain, <laughs> pain, pain. And like, the, like. And then, and then we get this pivot with Soft Sounds, which is a much more moody album sonically. And then the the pain continues lyrically. And this record is more back to that mode of like, is like the the kind of Sour Patch Kids model of like the sugar is to draw you in, and then she stabs you in in, in the chest with her her lyrics, like kind of mm-hmm. similar, but but not in the way that like comparing it to the Julian Baker album from earlier this year, which is like, I can't listen to that album in public where be sweet, (laughs) even though, even though be sweet, there is kind of a lingering darkness to it where like, when you combine be sweet with like uh sit and a couple of other moments on this album where she's like, she's asking someone to be kind and sweet to her, but the kind of unspoken implication of that is like, be sweet to me because you're not being big. Please be sweet to me. Be nice to me. Like I deserve to be treated nice. Like, but the thing is, is that the, the kind of bummer undertones of this album aren't so much that you can't like, that it can't be enjoyed as popular music. Like I, 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 I tweeted this, but when I went to go pick up my copy of crying in H Mart, I went across the street to a target to like, go pick up some other stuff and they were fucking playing be sweet in target and i was just like she's going jimmy fallon big it's happening it's really happening right before our eyes and no one deserves it (laughs) no one deserves it more than michelle but i also get why that's kind of making us feel a little more emotional distance to this than we did to some of the other records we've been saying it for years and they only listen just now yeah the the things that are the things that are great about this album are like obviously and transparently great about the the album and you kind of just like listen to it and you look at it and you go like yep uh another another grand slam from michelle's honor who'd have seen it coming whereas psychopomp and both soft sounds were like surprising and exciting and was like holy shit there's a lot going on here jubilee's Mm -hmm. just like Damn, I like this. It's good stuff. Uh, I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, like, yeah, I, I can't, you know, I've, uh, I've I've spent a lot of time on the internet praising the career of Michelle's Honor and the Japanese Breakfast albums. And I feel like I can't, like, over-hyperbolize her career anymore and her music. But, like, this is solidly my second favorite album of the year. Could very easily grow into my number one by the end of it. I think it's tremendous. I love every song for the most part. And I think that in particular posing for cars is not getting the attention it deserves as just like a, a real hitter, a real fucking good song. That song is like expansive I, in a way yeah. that she hasn't written before and classical and has like the, 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 the like promises made by closing on posing for cars are like, we could get a like proper sort of songwritery, um, Joni Mitchell or Lucinda Williams type album from Michelle's Honor in the not too distant future, and I would eat it up like a bowl of uh, hot porridge. Yum yum yum. I think like I hate to. It's so weird to say that an album should have another an extra track because I'm always a more I'm always about less is more. But again, as I said, I feel like this album just had like one more song to kind of like help out the flow. I feel like Posing for Cars would hit so much more because. In isolation, posing for cars is great. It's this epic outro. The fucking guitar solo at the end is amazing. Like some shreds it's this... too. The guitars on here, uh, fucking rule. 
Yeah. Oh, there, there, there's some really, really great. I love the like disco-y guitars on slide tackle and and the yes. kind of slide tackle is maybe my. It's I so think good. slide tackle is my is my favorite non-single on the album. I think that song is fucking great. Great percussion too, as always. I also really like um I like uh, Paprika and Kokomo uh, Indiana a lot. I I I, I think uh, Paprika it, the the horns remind me a lot of classic Illinois era Sufjan Stevens. Yes, that that was definitely yes. the, the vibe I got from those. And then Kokomo, I just really like because every single time I listen to that song, all I can think about is the Chet Hayes. A vine where he says, no. "Go listen to Kokomo," <laughs> but then I, I imagine Chet Hayes uh, saying, "Go listen to Kokomo by Japanese Breakfast," and imagining him saying Japanese Breakfast in his patois is very yeah. funny to me. We out, Chia. Wait, wait, wait! Summer is canceled. Sorry, it was well, it was a shooting star that we saw in, briefly in the night. Oh boy! Well, folks. <laughs> Unless we had any extra thoughts, we're we are uh, we are at the one hour thirty minute mark of the recording. It'll probably be a little extra more lightning uh, round. editing. Yes. So we're doing a quick lightning round of some albums that you know at least at least two of us want to discuss very briefly, and then we'll have some some personal recs at the end that we'll go very brief on. Yeah. And then that'll be a wrap. So uh, our our less first... than one minute per album on those last ones. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but for a lightning round, first album, uh, backwash. I lay here, buried with my rings in my dresses. Rose, go on ahead. This is your record. Oh, this album rocks. Like backwash last year dropped. Uh, God has nothing to do with this. Leave him out of it, which was like just solidly one of the best rap albums of last year. I was like, wow, this is really good for something that's like made almost entirely by herself. Like it was a very brief self-produced thing like very metal influenced beats with some involvement from the girls from black dresses you know and like if, if i see an album has the words mastered by ada rook and liner notes i will immediately check it out and that's what drew me to that one and it was incredible this one honestly might be even better like it's a lot darker and harder to process but it's got a much wider cast of people involved like friend of the podcast uh sadie dupuis uh once again, Rook is on this. Then two of the guys from Clipping did some production. And I can't remember any of the other names. Oh, yeah, Sensor Dialogue also has a really good verse. Guest verse there on Terror Packets. It's just, it is dismal and horrible. And that is the exact mood I've been in for the last several months. So perfect for me. This shit's angry as fuck. I really, I only listened to it like once today. But goddamn, I loved the album from last year. And this is very understandably uh, an upset album, as you were saying. Really, really great. Yeah, this album absolutely shreds. I agree with everything that's being said here. Like I, in the uh, in the like Bandcamp description of it, she wrote that whereas God has nothing to do with this was a study in mercy. I lie here buried, backwashed, find solace in being consumed by her malevolent behaviors, and that's bas- that's basically what it was. The first one is like everything is fucked up, but I'm gonna learn to have some kind of sense of peace with it. And this album is like fuck sense of peace bro i'm just gonna yell at some people and like that that that's a big vibe i mean this album is fucking incredible ashanti is just such a talented not only rapper but like vocal performer like and producer like she just yeah she does crazy crazy incredible the way she's able to just push out her voice like that like the only person i can really compare it to recently is like denzel curry or something like that like the just command that she has over these really really big hulking industrial metal influenced beats is just 
you, you have to you have to really be able to rap to hold your own over something like that and goddamn can she spit and she's one of a kind the the, the, <laughs> the, really the lyrics of uh, terror packets especially where she talks about uh, having to to, to to sell drugs to pay for hormones and shit like that that goes yeah since her dialogue so works, like, hard the, the first one you're talking about like yes. selling kids mid, telling them it's good shit but it's just mid that's homegrown oh i i the, the whole album is great you should listen to backwash if you haven't already uh, the 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 cover photo and all of the promo materials for this album where she's dressed like trans venom is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen yeah, in my she entire has the life. Russian vaporwave on that. Hell yeah, the 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 makeup and the the photography for for all of that is so fucking sick. I I I want to see yeah, her easily live. Easily some of the best designs. Easily this year. Totally. Anyways, it's really great. Go listen to it. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. Let's talk about ska. It's, it's Scott. Pick it up, 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 pick it up. Turns out Jeff Rosenstock writes good songs. I mean, he already wrote all of these songs last year and they were very good, but turns out when they have more horns and more frenetic guitars and a rap verse, uh, they're still just as good. Uh, I Honestly, I like this better than No Dream, the original. Like, that one didn't really, really stick with me as much, but these, I'm like, just constantly thinking about it. Like, I, I think it's purely because it's the ska. Like, I, I really like ska and moderation. Like, I think it has its place in music, and this is just lovely. This is, like, really well done. And, like, he's really pushing a lot of the extremes on this album a lot more. Like, the really shouty sections on uh, the title track are even harder for some reason to the extent that he got George Clark from Death Heaven to do them. Hell yeah. Like, all the guests on here are just, like, a bona fide, like, stars. Like, you got Mike Park and Scott Two Network, and it's just, like, everybody here is having a great time. Yeah, it's not even, like, good as a joke, because it was, you know, an April Fool's Day It, it was originally, like, kind of a joke in their minds, but then they turned into a serious project, and it, like, really works. It's good as hell, yeah. Scott, Scott rules. Like, No Dream, I think I was, like, a lot hotter on No Dream than most people on this podcast. I it It's, like... You know, on a good day, it's my favorite Jeff Rosenstock album. And I think his songwriting really matured on there. Um, and there are lots of interesting instrumental patterns. And then on Scott Dream, like the transformations that the songs go through either calls attention to what was really creative about those songs in the first place that maybe I wasn't appreciating enough. Or in the case of like a song like Fame, which I think the Scott version of is unfortunately really bad. Just reminds me how much I loved that song in the first place and how great of a songwriter Jeff is. So Scott, uh, it's back and it's good. Yeah, yeah. Pay attention to the new wave of Scott. Like all those cool bands, like We Are the Union, uh, Tape Girl, all the, all that shit. There's good shit out there. Yeah, and we got all Scott right. in Fortnite now. Scott in Fortnite, <laughs> which uh, again uh, was that I I'm great. It, it is just like, oh, God, like, it, I am both very happy and terrified of, like, Ska making a full-blown <laughs> comeback. Um, I was talking about I, this with someone, and I was like, man, like, kids will be skanking in public this summer because they saw it in Fortnite. It's, we're literally, officially back. Literally. We're officially back. Nature <laughs> is healing. Nature is truly healing. But uh, a band that would probably disagree with that notion <laughs> is Godspeed, you Black Emperor, God's P at State's End. Uh, I did not. I don't. I put it up here. Who? Who? Okay. Talk about. Talk about the piss. Talk about. Uh, yeah. So two two years ago, to think, to think it has been that long. September of 2019, I went to go see a little band called Godspeed You Black Emperor. I thought you were about to say September 2001. I was like, uh oh. No. (laughs) 
didn't, didn't they release something that year? Probably. Uh, I have no clue. Anyways. Anyway, September of 2019, I went to see them. And I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be nice. I really like their last album. And then they busted out two new songs titled Glacier and Cliff, at least in their early forms. And they were some of the best material I've heard from them this decade. And then I waited two years to hear them. A year and a half, actually. But like, still, just these are easily some of the best Godspeed songs in a while. Like, and I, I, I know I def- came for like their last one a lot, but this one just, oh, it, it solidly recaptures a lot of like what's made them special in the first place. Mm-hmm. And also just like, I don't know. It's hard to talk about Godspeed without just delving into the same things of like cinematic uh, soundtrack for our times. Uh. Like, like you know, it's just it, it's very lovely. I think the structuration of this one is definitely their best in a while. They make good music, and they've done it again. I don't. Know. Yeah, like they they've done it again. There's wait, whatever you can say about one Godspeed record, you can probably say about others in slightly different forms. Yeah, I like this album a lot. I think I like it more than a lot of the 2010 uh, Godspeed material, but I've also only listened to it like once or twice. So I haven't really spent a ton of time uh, digesting it because quite frankly, uh, it can be a bummer at this period of time where Godspeed, you Black Emperor, it turns out was right about everything. Like, I mean, to be fair, this is like one of their more hopeful albums. Like, there there are sections that really come off as like genuinely like uplifting. Yeah, for them, they, they've they've gone more in that direction. Increasingly rare in their last time. decade of material. Hmm. Mm. Well, our last lightning round record, then, though, folks, Jackie Porter Robinson, Nurture. You went I, off I, on this hang one. on, I'm getting a timer out. I'm getting a timer. Okay, all right. I I, I promise. I, I promise. Well, Nanya and I was gonna do that. I I, pro- <laughs> I, I promise. Somebody had to I, do I, it. I, I'm not gonna give the whole spiel because, as I will tell the listeners, you can go read my whole spiel on the Indie Head Substack where I wrote about this record for Q2. I'm not gonna give you the whole extended background of Porter Robinson and his career, but the long story short is that Porter Robinson is an EDM whiz kid who at 18 years old got a record deal from Skrillex and was whisked into the world of EDM and it almost ruined his life. And in 2014, he made an album called Worlds, which is a very, very good album and an important album to me emotionally. It came along at a very particular time in my life that just hit me in the right way. But over time, I've kind of I still like that record a lot, but I think some of the flaws that people saw it in the, at the time were are things that I can appreciate more over time now. But the, the incredible thing that has happened is after seven full years of, of kind of working on a follow-up and he did a side project for a while to kind of put off some time and he's worked with other artists and done all this stuff. But the true follow-up to Worlds is here. The true follow-up to his first foray in out of EDM and into like synth pop. And this album is, to call it a step up, I think is genuinely an understatement. Like, it is the true, like, maturation flower blossoming moment for Porter Robinson, which is so fitting because the album is the him laying down in the, the, the field of flower, face first in the field of flowers, perfectly kind of symmetrical with the, the Squid album cover, the other album I happen to. What is it? it- green fields this year a lot of a lot of a lot of green you know I, this album and the new ski mask album which is a green cover uh fiddlehead there's a lot of great green fiddlehead. a lot of great green going on this year but no, seriously this record 
Anthony Fantano said that this record is this generation's discovery by Daft Punk. And even I, who was like the biggest Porter Robinson fan in the world, was like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes, buddy. But like, I swear to God, this album is really, 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 really fucking good. I, I think it's definitely like a little bit long, but the thing is, is that A, when you take seven years off between albums, there's a lot, I have a lot more forgiveness for the album being an hour long. And second of all, I don't really think there's a lot of fat here. Like, I think the flow of the record is really solid. I think al- almost all of the, I think one of the greatest things about this record is like the singles are all really solid, but the interludes and kind of shorter idea songs are are just as compelling like wind tempos is actually the longest song on the record and it basically is like this mega interlude that starts out as like a riff on all my friends by lcd sound system with the pianos but then it transforms like three different times and like i I just think this record is so impressive so sweeping in its emotions but like so much more subtle and nuanced and grounded in a way that the early Porter Robinson stuff wasn't like he's kind of toned down the saccharine sweetness of worlds just a little bit and given it just a little bit more like natural feeling to it. I really like the, like there's a little uh, in the song, get your wish. It starts with this little metronome timer thing. And it kind of gives it this sense of like liveness and, and like spontaneity that his music hadn't had before. And I just think this record is, it's fucking awesome. It's really, really, really great electro pop. It's the music that Porter Robinson ha- should have been making this whole time. And he's finally found like the lane and the mode that, he can express himself best in and you can really feel both the creative payoff and also the emotional payoff of these turbulent last decade that he's had and it's just it's really really satisfying and moving as someone who's been a fan of his for a long time so if you haven't checked out the new porter robinson album i really really recommend it because the thing that i was so relieved with this album and what i was hoping this album would do is that like a lot of people who were not into porter robinson or who aren't edm people this record has crossed over in a way that his other material has not and i think a lot of people like anthony fantano other tastemakers like will for thrill uh those people are are, are, are finally come, coming around Wolf for thrill nation which, which really 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 yeah I, i'd much rather have wolf for thrills uh, seal of approval than fantano's but i've got both of them on this record because there's some good songs here J. Brady interview and not us I can, but whatever. I mean, Fantano, I, I, I Fantano's know I'm, jo- doing, I'm he's, joking. He's, like I get he's it. Been... He's bigger than us, but I like to joke. We um, like to we like to joke. We like to kid. We like to rib. We like to do bits. It's what we love to do. Uh, but I don't think there will be an album more surprising this year than this oh, one. Oh yeah! By the way, you you under five four minutes forty seconds. Under five. Yeah, like uh, as someone who definitively did not like Porter Robinson's music, I like wanted to give this album a good faith try, and I really liked what the first single was get your wish. I was like, this is a fun little song. And then people said that this record was good when it dropped. Um, It's tremendous. It's really just like super uplifting and emotional. And like, uh, it feels like watching spirited away in a way where it's just sort of like, I want to cry from how happy this makes me feel. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's a really great record, really fantastic. And like, as someone like, yeah, just blew me away, honestly. His music, uh, obviously, like, he takes a lot of influence from anime and, like, video game culture. And, like, he's very, like, he, he says, like, the reason he got into EDM music is because of Dance Dance Revolution. Like, that's how, that that was the pipeline that he took. And, but, like, this record, you really feel him. He worked with... Uh, 
like this Japanese ambient musician guy. And like, I really feel like you're saying like the spirited away comparison, not only like in terms of the feel of the record, like I think this record reminds me, especially like the intro reminds me a lot of like a, a Miyazaki score almost like it's so, yeah. it's so whimsical and so uh, uplifting, but also is striking this super deep emotional cutting core with a lot of the lyrics like i think the songwriting on this record is so fucking good and there are so many lines on this record that are just it's like really sincere really straightforward and to the point but like so like just like the the hook of look at the sky where he's like i'll be alive next year i can make something good and i'm like bro yes you can bro and i'm like tearing up <laughs> it's it's really really beautiful and sweet and i think that um, it shows like a lot of, like I said, both personal and artistic growth. And I just, it, it's blown me away as much as it has the people who weren't hip on his music, which I think is really how you can tell, like, this is just like a huge step up in every possible way. I, I, I think this one is like kind of in and out for me. Like there's stuff I really love, especially the stretch from wind tempos to dull scythe. Like those are all complete hitters for me without Hell question. Yeah especially musician which is like one of my favorite songs that you're slapper slapper and a half you should anyone who hasn't seen it go on i I can probably share this if you want me to send it to you but there is a clip that porter shared on his twitter page when he released musician as a single where he showed how he made the song basically was that he had this unreleased demo with caro caro benito that was like a song they had written together that he never really put out and instead of releasing that song he ended up chopping up the vocal from the caro caro benito demo into the kind of uh, looping uh, vocal riff that acts as the kind of sample that the musician is built around. And Musician is definitely, I think it's the best single on the album and is this moment of, as he's talked about, like of, of real creativity. Like you can tell there's just this spark of joy and creativity where he's like, you can tell the moment he came up with the idea for this song, he was just like, fuck yes, this is working, this is exciting. And there's that that joy. And like so much of this album is it's like, this is kind of the anti-ooze where this is an album about creative block that is like this beautiful flower that, that is like, I was stuck with creative block for many, many years. And then I learned to have personal growth and I've come out like a beautiful butterfly. And the ooze is like, I, I have creative block and it sucks. London is gray. Everything is sad. And this is like the- I went to the, the point shop to get some chips the other day. <laughs> exactly back back to the 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 brits but i i I think this album is really really swell i think you should listen to it my favorite tracks i really like musician i really like something comforting uh that one really really fucks me up the 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 whole repeated line of of like uh because hoping made uh made you hurt more was uh getting made you want more and hoping made you hurt more oh there must be something wrong with me like the kind of feeling that he had of like of like oh you're you're successful you're making all this money you have all these fans but you're not creatively fulfilled by your own work and you still feel this kind of hollowness and like the way that that song turns that kind of empty feeling into something positive again is like what this whole album is about yeah this album rocks you should listen yeah to it. and i guess like there's there's i'm just in and out with it like there's like once it starts getting in the more like mm-hmm. big tent edm kind of influence stuff i'm just like eh. like that's that's just, i, get I think it. my only real gripe with it it's just like in and out because i'm one of those freaks who just like mainly likes house music I, every, every once in a while I, I i will concede that that his his big rave like bright synth 
impulses. Right, like his instincts are always there, even when he's not trying to aim for them. Exa- exactly. I, I, I get what you mean. Especially like. And then secondly, like, yeah. turn, dude, he, he, either come out as trans or stop using the fucking Katie Day voice. Like, hey. he, he, I, I do not want to hear that kind of vocals without hearing like the most miserable lyrics of my hey, life. Okay? We, we are, we are, we on this podcast are not going to speculate about the gender of Porter Robinson. I will just point people to the very end of something comforting where his voice glitches back and forth between the male vocal and the pitched up vocal robot voice. And I will say nothing more on the matter and we will move on from this topic. All right. Anyways, yes. <laughs> anyways, uh, I, unless y'all had more thoughts, uh, y'all ever listen rap- to Dogleg? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's well, AJ. That's your that is your your little spotlight. Do we have record. any other shoutouts besides, of course, uh, Dogleg uh, still in stores think. now? Just real quick, rapid fire, like not even thirty seconds on each of these. Yes. I, I can go. I, I have got a couple a of. Yeah. I, I got a couple off top. Uh, I, I think I discussed these on the Earthquakey People episode, but I'll just state them again. Partner came down different. Uh, what if parquet courts are on the West Coast? It rocks, in my opinion. Uh, Lay it in. I am the prophet. Uh, if you like the Boxachi record from last year, but you kind of want a little more of the indie rock influence, that Lay it in record's very good. Uh, Fiddlehead between the richness. There's the video of the guy out in the middle of the street. Holding up the throw right Fiddlehead! <laughs> I mean, that tells you everything, folks. Uh, Super Bloom, uh, Pollen. Uh, if you like 90s alternative, early 90s grunge, give this one a listen. I closed, it's my first uh, close at my at my radio college radio job. Uh, if you're a college radio station, spin that record. It's very good. Uh, Demo Black Metal 2, as I said, fucking good. Uh, and then, of course, Barely March, America Online, Clappy Good Songs. Let's all Woo! for clappy good songs. Stream haunted SUV in stores now. Yeah. Yes. Hilton Utility Vehicle uh, is sweeping the nation. Sound uh, <laughs> uh, so first record. Speaking of records that Barry March was involved in, uh, Small Data in Convenience Store. Check that one out. That shit rules. Great singer songwriter record. Uh, Mannequin Pussy Perfect EP. Really solid, like hardcorey punk tunes. Very just nice. Ski mask pool. Good IDM stuff. Lamb Chop Show Tunes. Uh, th- this is entirely my bullshit. It's weird old man singer-songwriter does, like, glitchy electronic stuff. It's hard to explain if you haven't been following Kurt Wagner for, like, the last decade or so. And uh, Riley Walker... What's the title? Course and Fable. Great, like, post-rock influence singer-songwriter record. Just very fun. That one's very fun. Hell yeah. That's all of them. That's all I got. Uh, AJ, I got... Go. The Storm and Summer, Skull Crusher. Zach would kill me if I didn't shout it out here. Um, Dope Game Stupid by Bruiser Wolf is the best rap album anyone will put out this year. That thing is fucking hysterical and totally singular in a way that's like, it's like listening to Triple X by Danny Brown for the first time again. Uh, but, but, but what else I got? Oh, the new, here we go. Sanguasugabog, Tortured Hole. If you like hardcore and vocals that sound like you can't tell if it's a human voice or a toilet flushing, that's a good project for you. Uh, and then Super Wolves, Bonnie Prince Billy is at it again, writing those good songs. Yeah, Dudes Rock. Hell yeah. All right, I'm going to get through some quick ones here. Uh, the Hildegard record, which is a collaborative project between Helena DeLand and Uri, who's like a club music producer. Really, really, really cool. If you heard the Helena DeLand album from last year and you check this out, you should know that it sounds really different. This is like a completely different 
uh, musical style for her. And the fact that she can do this too is really cool to me. Uh, Unfinished, which is the third album I wrote about for the Soft Sounds this week. It's an ambient album from the techno producer uh, Nothing. but his, his name is Nothing with no vowels. It's N-T-H-N-G. Uh, the album is called Unfinished because it's this really long, sprawling record that kind of is t- objectively too long. But the, the gems that are in there are so fucking good. Best ambient album of the year, probably, for me, besides uh, the new Ula album, which is also really good. Uh, and also the one last record I wanted to shout out is the Fred Again album, who is a producer who's worked with a lot of UK pop dance hall people uh and that record is the first album in a while to scratch the jamie xx in color itch for me it's like this perfect fusion of uk club music and pop music and dance hall and like i i I think the sampling that goes on throughout reminds me a lot of uh, the album the range by uh uh, potential by the range which is that 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 album that uses samples from youtube like i really like the, the 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 kind of human sampling that goes on throughout this record that makes it feel really uh, personal and there's a very cute thing where every single song on this record is named after uh, one of his friends so like every song is named like Sabrina and then the parentheses is like whatever the actual name of the, 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 the track is so it's this very cute record and feels very like uh, wholesome and I think the production on it like Fred again is uh, becoming a big name in the UK for a reason he's got he's got a nice touch all righty then uh oh and one more one more shout out this is not a new record uh square pusher Femi weird things 20th oh, yeah. anniversary reissue shit's good i i get why people like square pusher that shit's good uh but that that is it that is it for this little q2 catch-up of course oh, also leon see... vin holland stores now that record rocks mm. but yes yes we are we're, we're almost two hours in so we're gonna wrap it up here uh, we will see you all uh, for our Patreon supporters. We will see you all on Sunday for the premiere episode of the 90s Rock Number Ones. And of course, if you're listening everywhere else, that's Tuesday. Um, very excited for this series. Of course, Foul, everyone on evil, this call, of course, curse. I'll be, of course, Disgusting. I will be on every episode. <laughs> Dangerous. I will be Alex and Gavin, my fellow co hosts, will be on the journey. And Jackie, Rose, AJ will all be on at some point throughout the series and a bunch of other amazing guests. So, be on the lookout. 90s Rock Number Ones. That's going to be the next uh, 12 weeks of the Indie Hits podcast, folks. Stand back uh, and get ready. <laughs> stand back. Stand back. Hope you'll enjoy this podcast, uh, and we will see you all very, very soon. Bye bye. I don't let the gaze Dracula, we're in the backseat.